Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 92 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today, we're going to pray for a new wave of evangelism to sweep across this nation. God, we are asking for you to raise up a generation that is not afraid to speak the truth or ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might rightly represent you and present you to a nation in decline. My friend, this nation is in desperate need of evangelism. At one time, America's number one export to the world was missionaries. Now its number one export is pornography. We're in no place to be trying to save other nations when our home base of operation is in ruin and decay. We are in desperate need of a change. There needs to be a reshifting, a refocusing, and a refounding of the foundations of biblical faith, and people need to be taught it in a way that they can go out and share it. The Great Commission was go and tell. From the beginning, we were all, every person that has come to know Jesus Christ, they are commissioned with a mission to go and share that light, that truth, the testimony of what God has done for you with others. But we have built a structure in this nation that isn't very biblical at all. We've built big ministries focused on how much we can please people, get them in, entertain them, Let them drop a few dollars in the collection plate. Get them out as quick as you can and bring the next batch in. This is not biblical Christianity, my friend. It's time that the church go out and disciple the lost. Bring them in. Make them like family. Spend time to teach them biblical foundations. All of it, not just what's pleasing to them. And then send them back out to share it with their friends. We've got to learn how to be the salt that will influence the environment that we're in. We've got to learn how to be the light in the darkness. Again, because this nation is dark and growing darker every day. People, there is a great falling away happening. People are leaving the faith in droves. And it's really a lot worse than we think because even among those who claim Christianity, the majority are not actually saved or walking in biblical faith. They may claim it by name, but that doesn't save you. This happened many times throughout biblical history where people still professed that God was their king, but they didn't let him rule them. They didn't agree with his words or worse yet, they didn't even know them. So they were misrepresenting him and they were not truly serving him. 
So there had to be a reformation. There had to be a relaying of the biblical foundations. This happened in Nehemiah and Ezra's time when the Israelites came back from a period of bondage where they were oppressed by the enemy. They were under the rule of people who did not serve God as king. And so they had lost their understanding of the biblical foundations of scripture. They still called God their God. They still identified as his servants, but they truly weren't because they weren't walking in accordance with his word. So God commissioned Ezra to come before the people and begin to teach them the scripture from the beginning to the end. And as they began to hear the truth of God's word, they began to become convicted and grieved over their sin. And they cried out in repentance and there was true revival in the nation. And it changed them for generations. This is what the countries of the world need more than anything. We love to be in the presence of our King. We love worship. We love to sing. Our church is called Heart of Worship, but we stress that it's not about a song. It's about the life that you're living. That is the truest demonstration of your worship of him. However, my friend, if people don't understand biblical truth, the very foundations of scripture, then how do you know what presence you're ushering in? You don't even know him. The word of God is our discernment. The Bible says it is sharper than any two-edged sword and, it, and is able to divide even between the soul and the spirit. Of course, the soul being our mind, our will, and our emotion, what we think, what we want, what we feel, and what the spirit wants, what the spirit thinks, and what the spirit of God feels. We have to know what's the difference between ourself, our flesh, and God's spirit. And without the word of God, we'll never know it because we have to learn his character through the word and then judge every voice that we hear against that to see if it lines up. Does it bear the fruit? This is why Jesus said the only way to know if someone is truly his or rather or not they are a wolf in sheep's clothing is by their fruit. But how do you know what good fruit is unless you see it demonstrated? In the scripture, to know the word of God is to know the God of the word. And to know the God of the word is to know the word of God. You really cannot have one without the other. I've heard some churches say we're word churches. Some churches say we're worship churches. Some churches say we're faith churches. And I can guarantee you, my friend, that all of those churches are in error. Because the only way you can have the truth is to have the full counsel of God's word. You must have his presence. You must have his rhema. You must go to him in prayer and let him meet you there and teach you and decipher the word. But you must also have the word so that you can discern whether or not what you heard came from the Lord or another spirit. Because God says, test the spirits whether or not they came from the Lord because many spirits have gone out into the earth, including the spirit of Antichrist, which loves to mimic God to counterfeit the Holy Spirit, to confuse people so that he can gain access to the pulpit. So in this, I reiterate what I reiterate every day. We must know the word of God and the God of the word. And we must understand and help others to be brought into the kingdom by giving them the full counsel of God's word, not just the parts that are pleasing to them. Because when we tell them what they want to hear, we sell them a false representation of the gospel. And so when they step in and it doesn't turn out the way that they expected it, they will get offended with him, with God himself. 
thinking that he has misled them, but he has not. He laid it out plainly in scripture. It's the churches that are misleading and deceiving and half representing the truth that God has provided us to deliver to you. So today we're going to talk about evangelism and we're going to pray for God to raise up a new wave of evangelists and evangelism in our nations to go out and to bring people into the truth, the full counsel, people who are not looking to build platforms and stages or even masses to follow after them, but people that are willing to deliver the truth, the full counsel of God's word, even if people despise and reject you for it, even if it forces you to stand against the culture and the consensus of fools that you might represent the truth of God's word. Because I assure you, my friend, that when you are willing to stand for God, he will stand for you. He will validate your words as truth eventually. It may not happen immediately. People may make fun of you. They may reject you and ridicule you and come against you. But my friend, in the end, if there are one or two that stand with you, then you've done better than most that consider themselves to be mighty men with great congregations that are all in error and false doctrines. We've got to stop looking at the masses as a justification of whether or not our evangelism was effective because this has never been the standard in scripture. In fact, throughout scripture, it says that if you are truly doing the work of the Lord, then the masses will reject you. The world will hate you for it. We can't expect people to like what we say. Jesus said they hated and despised and persecuted me for it. The servant is not better than the master. What are you expecting that they will love you for telling them that they are lost and dying in sin? Fools will reject you for it, but the wise will appreciate you for it. And in the end, they will all know that you love them enough to give them the full counsel of God's word. I think the main problem with modern evangelism is that we think we have to sell Jesus like a product. We have to tell people all the ways he will benefit them. And so when they step into the kingdom expecting God to serve them and they come before a king who is expecting them to serve him and then all of a sudden they've walked into a battle and a warfare and the enemy is raging against them but they were promised blessings and provision and a bed of roses they say this is not what I agreed with I was told I was going to be made happy now you're trying to make me holy I don't want to be set apart from the things that please me I want it to get more things that please me I don't want to turn away from the things of the world I want it to add Jesus to my world. This is not biblical Christianity and it won't save anyone. In fact, it will turn them away from the faith because they will get offended with God when things don't go the way that they were told that they would. My friend, it is a war. You are going to step into a fight. The Bible says all those who will live godly will suffer persecution. The enemy will rise up against you. People need to understand that they're not being saved from the mundane into mega blessings. They're being saved from damnation and hell fire because of their own wickedness and they're being made a soldier in a fight to the finish that they might receive their reward and their blessing on the other end of it. They need the full counsel of God's word. The Bible 
says in the first chapters of the book of John that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among men. This was Jesus Christ. He was the word made flesh. And we understand that we're saved by grace through faith when we believe in Jesus Christ. But I'm here to make you understand today that he is the word made flesh. So if we don't believe in the word, we don't believe in him. They are one in the same. You cannot separate. We must believe in the full counsel of Jesus and his words and also the full counsel of the word of which he was manifest for he is the word made flesh. We have to believe it all in order to truly be saved from eternal damnation because without understanding and believing it, we can't really say that we have faith. So I don't think the idea that we can grab a bunch of people that have just gotten saved, give them some material, send them out on the street, bring them back into these little cell meetings and expect to call that evangelism. It doesn't last because the blind are leading the blind and they're all falling into the ditch. True evangelism needs to start in the pulpit. We need to start teaching. We need Sunday school classes. We need Wednesday night Bible studies. We need to start teaching our young converts the Bible from the beginning to the end. Now, I'm not saying that they need to be a scholar before they go out and evangelize. In fact, as soon as a person saved, I believe they should start sharing their testimony with others, but there should also be efforts within the church to teach people why they are saved, why they need it to be saved, what they're saved from. They need to understand the basic foundations of the Bible. They need to understand that we were all born into sin because of the sin of Adam and Eve. They need to understand that the reason we need a savior is because we're already damned to hell. The reason we have to repent and turn away from our sin is because Jesus came and prayed a price to deliver us from it because without that price, we're already condemned. They need to understand that Jesus is coming back again and he's coming for a pure and spotless bride and he can come at any time and we need to always be ready for him. They need to understand that hell is real and that we are not promised tomorrow or heaven. We have got to humble ourselves before the God of all creation with humble repentance and receive the grace that he has freely given and then walk in holiness because he's empowered us to do it. In our church, we did a series in our Wednesday night Bible studies not too long ago called In the Beginning where we started from Genesis and went from Genesis until the story of the Tower of Babel, which took us all the way through biblical creation. It took us through Cain and Abel. It took us through Noah and the flood. It took us through the early generations. It took us through the story of Abraham. Many Christians don't even understand that they've been grafted into the blessings and provisions of Abraham because they don't even know the story of Abraham. They don't comprehend the family that we've been taken into. They don't understand that the Bible is a history book. They've been taught all of their lives in school that it's myth and mythology and you don't really have to believe it my friend that's hypocrisy because if you don't believe the words you don't believe Jesus Jesus is the word made flesh and we have to have faith in this to have a true salvation now God has grace and mercy in the time that he's teaching us and leading us we don't get saved and then immediately know everything in the word God understands that 
but he takes us to a place where he begins to show us these things and we have a decision to make if we're going to reject or receive what he's saying. But the gospel works. The church is trying to deliver something else because they've seen time after time what they're doing has failed. But it's not the gospel that's failing. It's their programs of self. It's pride. It's the things that they put together to sell the people a lie of a gospel that doesn't exist. The gospel in the word of God is a gospel of discipline and of self-denial. It's a gospel of obedience and selfless love. It's a gospel of gratefulness to a God who made a way to clear up our mistakes. The reason most people today don't believe that they even need to be saved is because they don't understand that sin is our problem, that we brought that into the world, that all of the wickedness and death in the world that we so often hear people saying, well, if God is so loving and amazing, why does he allow all of the wickedness in the world? They don't understand that God didn't do that. We did. And if God got rid of it, he'd have to get rid of us in the process. But he loved us so much that he was not willing to do that. So he made a way of escape. He paid the price himself that we might be saved from the consequences of our own decisions it's not that God is so mean it's that God is so good but people don't understand there's some great teachings and lectures from answers in Genesis and I highly recommend that you look into it and everyone who has a placement in a church leadership you need to get some of this material for your Sunday schools but he takes you through evangelism and also understanding biblical creation because he brings out a very good point that we need to grab hold of and that is that in the Bible it talks about how the preaching of the gospel to the Jews was a stumbling block but to the Gentiles it was foolishness And so while Peter was preaching to the Jews, Paul was preaching to the Romans and the Gentiles and their preaching methods were very, very different. The reason that the preaching of the gospel to the Jews was a stumbling block was because they had a foundation. They understood biblical creation. They understood sin. They understood the reason that death came into the world. They understood the law. They understood what was wrong in the world. They were waiting for the Messiah, but their stumbling block was that they didn't believe that it was Jesus. So to them, the gospel was a stumbling block. However, to the Gentiles, it was foolishness. Why was it foolishness? Because they didn't understand any of it. They had no basis of biblical foundation. They didn't understand biblical creation. They didn't understand that in the beginning God made everything perfect and there was a man called Adam and Eve that sinned in the garden. And because of their sin, they allowed the curse of sin and death into the world that we needed to be redeemed from it and that God came and delivered a law and that where there was a moral law that identified what sin was so that we could see that we were guilty of it and we needed a savior from it. How could you bring them the good news that God had paid the price for their penalty, that they could be redeemed from the curse of sin, hell, and the grave, that they didn't have to pay the price and go to hell, that God was saving them from temptation and damnation and all of the things of this world, and that he was coming for them one day and they needed to praise him and have faith and wait. They're like, what are you talking about? What is sin? What did we fall from? Why do we need to be saved from it? We're back to that place again in this nation. The church is still preaching 
to the people as Peter was preaching to the Jews. They're preaching to the people as though they understand biblical creation, the Garden of Eden, the fall from grace, the sin nature, and our need to be saved from it. But the world that exists in America and most of the nations of the world today don't have a biblical foundation. It's more like what Paul was dealing with when preaching to the Gentiles. You have to start from the beginning. You can't just go to them and say, God can save you. Because if you say that and they don't know how wicked they are, then all you have to offer them is a sugary gospel. Because when they say, save me from what, what can you tell them? Um, your bills, your sorrow, your heartache, uh, what else don't you like? Whatever you don't like in this world, he'll save you from that. That's not even true. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And actually the devil's going to come harder against you once you get saved. And if your purpose in receiving Jesus is to get something that you want and an easier life out of it, you're not going to stick with it because the first storm that comes against you you're going to go back to Egypt because it's easy in Egypt. It's easier to live in sin and in the world than it is to live for Christ. It takes true sacrifice. But when you truly know the end result, what he saved you from, you'll stick it out. They need you to relay the foundation. So my friend, while all of this nation is praying for revival, God is waiting for a people to understand that he wants more than revival. He wants reformation because it's time for the foundations to be relayed again. People need to understand what they're saved from and why it's sin. So as I said, we did the series in the beginning where we took them through the beginning parts of the scripture. And I have to say that not one single person that went through that study has strayed since that day. They have been firm in their faith, even though they've had many hard trials come against them. Their feet are planted firmly on the rock and they have faith in the God that they serve because they're not in it for their own pleasure. They're in it because they love him, because they understand what he saved them from. But the sad part is, is that most people within the church, even leadership, are not qualified to rightly teach lessons about the beginning because we're so far strayed from the truth of it that many don't even understand it. We have churches preaching biblical evolution, which is heresy. And I'm not being judgmental about this because there was a time when I believed in the gap theory. For those who don't know what that is, that's the theory that says that, well, Adam and Eve were created by God in the garden, but there were millions of years before that. And there were even dinosaurs and civilizations and possibly even other sentient beings that lived on the earth before Adam and Eve. And there were a few scriptures that they used to try to validate that. For example, when God tells them to go forth and replenish the earth. But when you take it back to the original Hebrew that was there, it didn't mean replenish. It literally meant to go and feel for the first time. However, it's an easy sale because that the schools and the 
people are so indoctrinated with evolution that you want to make it fit into the scripture. But when God brought the truth before me and I had to face facts that if I believe in death before sin, then I'm calling God a liar and there is no need for Jesus to die for my redemption, then I had to lay that down and say, no, you know what? It doesn't line up with scripture. I don't care what the world says or the world teaches. I'm going to believe what I'm reading in the word of God. This is my history book. I believe what it says. God proves it to me daily. It is the only record that has ever been given to humanity that has been proven to be 100% accurate, even in the prophetic, not just in the things that already happened, but, but also in the things that it predicted were coming. It is proven. It is tried. It is tested. We can trust it. All of the works of men will fail in the end, and we've all found fault and error and compromise in it. The word of God is the only thing that has withstood the test of time. And we've got to stop trying to make it fit into our worldview and start preaching it as truth, as the history that it is so that people can understand the end from the beginning. Because when you come to understand, truly understand those early chapters of the Bible, it sets you up to understand all of history and even most of the tactics of the enemy because he just repeats himself and what he's doing today, he did from the beginning. It helps you to see. And in actuality, the reason that most people don't even believe the book of Genesis goes back to the same line that the snake spoke in the beginning. Did God really mean that? Well, surely God didn't mean it like that. Maybe it was just an allegory. Maybe it was just a metaphor. You can eat the fruit. You don't have to believe what he said literally. You won't die. Believe me. We will believe anything, any person, any fork-tongued demon in hell, as long as it's got some credentials behind it. But we won't believe the God of all creation. Science even proves the Bible, real science, science that can be tested and proven, not just theories that are ever and continuously disproven. The geological record proves the Bible. All of creation testifies of God. Yet we tell people even from our pulpits that it's okay not to believe parts of the Bible. And yet we expect them to believe the rest of it. No, my friend, we've got to believe it for what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all of the animals. He created all of the people in the order that it was given in six literal days and then the history of the Bible is accurate it's not stories it's not mythology I never understand why people are willing to claim that they base their life on a faith that is based on a book that they really don't believe to me that is the height of insanity I believe in God he is my king he is real to me and made real to me every single day he leads me, he guides me, he directs me, and he proves himself to me in impossible and miraculous ways. Why would I not believe what he has to say about creation? Because without it, there's no reason for redemption. 
So I bring you to this point because I think we have to understand that without laying down the foundations of the reason for salvation, we can't have effective evangelism. And this nation and generation desperately needs effective evangelism. In fact, according to statistics, the number of people in church has dropped by 10% every generation in this century. And if the statistic continues within the next one to two generations, there will be no more Christianity in this nation. We are already a majority pagan nation. It's time for us to start evangelizing here at home, but we've got to understand how it works. You've got to be able to give them the full counsel of God's word, not just the good news that God can save them, but what he's saving them from and why they need to be saved. We've got to be willing to identify sin to them because they don't know what it is. We've got to be willing to tell them that what the mainstream is teaching is not a biblical foundation. And again, I tell you, there was a time that I believed in some aspects of biblical evolution. I believed in the gap theory that the earth was old, but when I laid it out against scripture, it didn't line up. And then there are those who will tell you a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. And so maybe it was really 6,000 years instead of six days in the beginning. Well, there's two major problems with that. First of all, What he was really saying when he made that reference was to express that God exists outside of time. That time isn't the same for God as it is for us because God is not created and time is part of creation. You have to have time, space, and matter together. You can't have one without the other. So they were all created together because if you create matter, which is the physical world, you have to have a place to put it, that space, and you have to have a time to put it. You don't know when or where to put it. So you have to have time, space, and matter all together. So when you create the physical, you have to create the three in one. But God is not physical. He's spiritual. So he doesn't need space or time to exist. He exists outside of space and time. That's why he can be everywhere. He is omnipotent. He is not bound by space. He is omnipresent. He is not bound by time. He exists outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning, the word of God says. Time is a construct of creation because matter, physical things have to have a when and a where to exist, but God does not. And so what the Bible was trying to explain by saying that a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years to God is to say that he doesn't exist within time. Long spanses of eternity for us or quick instances, it's all the same for God. He sees the end from the beginning. And even if that part was referring to, it brings you full circle because it says that a day is as a thousand years, but also is a thousand years as a day. So it still brings you back to a day. And besides all of that, God knew that people would confuse it. So he put within the scriptures of the creation every single day that it was done between the rising of the sun and the setting thereof. So that we understand that between the sun going up and the sun going down was the definition of that day. One day, one rising and setting of the sun, not 365,000 of them. So today we need to ask ourselves what we really believe. And if we're willing to teach it so that others can go out 
and minister it, to preach it, to evangelize the way Jesus said that we should. Jesus himself actually validated biblical creation. So we need to set our feet on a firm foundation and believe what the word of God says. Do we believe that God created man and woman in his image? Do we believe that he created everything that we see in six days in the beginning? Do we believe that because man allowed sin into the garden, the penalty and punishment of it was released upon the earth. And from that point forward, there was death and destruction and all manner of wickedness that came forth into the earth and it did not exist before. Do we really believe that as that sin ran rampant, the earth was overtaken by it and it grieved the Lord God Almighty so much that he had to send a flood to cleanse the earth of it, to baptize it, which again is reconfirmed in the New Testament. These are not just stories or allegories. These are not mythologies. This is the history of the world according to the word of God. And if you don't understand it, then you can't comprehend the things that are happening throughout the rest of history both in scripture and in reality and you will be deceived by the antichrist spirit he will manipulate and he's doing it we are in the great falling away there is entire generations being lost to the faith because they don't have a leg to stand on they've lost the foundation even the churches are preaching that you don't have to believe the bible from genesis to revelation my friend if you tell them they don't have to believe some of it why would they believe any of it The reality of today is that America is a mission field that needs to be evangelized, but it needs to be evangelized as you would a pagan nation. You need to be willing to go out and bring them the basics, a biblical foundation, because most are not being saved today because that they don't know that they are actually guilty and in need of a savior. Because we've told them that they don't have to believe Genesis. They don't understand the blessings that they've been grafted into. The provision by Abraham. It breaks my heart every time I hear somebody say, oh, that's only the Old Testament. We don't need to read that. Without the Old Testament, you cannot understand the new. The new is the fulfillment of everything that was given in the old. In fact, the early church that moved in such miracle working power and faith, they did not have the New Testament. All they had was the old. And in the end, Jesus is coming back for a people who are serving the God of the Old Testament that were grafted in by Jesus in the new. It brings it all together. We have to believe the full counsel. We've got to read and understand it. We can't leave anything out of it. There's a reason for everything that happened. It's time for reformation. It's time. It's time to repour the foundations. And tomorrow I'm going to take you through it in a very short way that you can learn so that you can help to bring it to others as evangelism goes forth. But we've got to understand the fall of man. We've got to understand the way sin and death came in. We've got to understand the blessings of Abraham and that we're grafted into. We've got to understand sin and the reason the law was given. We've got to understand our need for a savior. We've got to understand why Jesus was born. 
We have to understand baptism, the crucifixion, the resurrection, our commission, and the second coming. We need to understand Jesus. We don't have to understand all of the other theological things in between. It's good meat, but this is the structure. This is the foundation of the scripture, and we've got to understand it, believe it, preach it, teach it. We need to evangelize the lost with it. So God, today we pray that you open our eyes and Lord, that you cause us to understand what I'm trying to say. Only you can reveal it to our heart in a way that we need to grab hold of it. That we can say that this nation is desperately in need of missionaries. It's desperately in need of evangelism. We need a people that are willing to go out on the streets and in the schools and to talk to people. But to bring them back to the beginning because we can't just sell them this blessing, give me something Christianity. Because they're not going to last in it. It'll bring people in quick. They might drop a few dollars in the plate, but they're going to leave and not stay because they were sold a fake when the enemy rises up against them they're gonna say something's not right with this I was promised blessings not a war God help us to bring them to the reality that there is an enemy that has been there from the beginning trying to deceive them and he will do it until the end and that only those who endure till the end will be saved God help us to preach the truth in a way that people can grab hold of the goodness of God that he's not a God that allows wickedness to happen that that was our fault our problem and he sacrificed to save us from it from the penalty of it so that we would no longer be bound to that sin and that curse God help us to bring people to understand your great love and mercy and compassion by building a strong foundation of understanding and faith in the word of God. You are good. You are loving. You are merciful. You could have destroyed us from the beginning for our rebellion and wickedness, our unbelief, but you had mercy because you knew we had been deceived. And thank God you made a way to begin to show us what sin is, to put that mirror in front of our face that we might see our wickedness and begin to recognize that we need to be saved from it, that we don't like it, that it's ugly. And then you sent your son to be our, our sacrifice, the propitiation of our sin, to pay the price for what we did, to make a way of escape that we might be redeemed from the curse that was laid upon us for our sin. We understand. Stand because we believe in biblical creation that there was no death or decay or destruction before the fall of man. And because of it, we walk in a fallen world. But you have made a way by the resurrection of the dead to bring us into newness of life and back into that place of paradise that there will be a restored earth that is like the garden again one day wherein walks true righteousness. And those who have had faith and endured the attacks and the onslaughts of the enemy because that they believed that there was redemption from the destruction and the judgment that is coming because somebody gave them the whole truth and nothing but the truth so that they're living for the end and not for the moment. We are not damned and doomed to this sinful state. 
We're not condemned to it because we were human and we were just born into it. But we are saved from it because we recognize that it is but the fallen state of man. And Jesus said that I come that all might be lifted up to me. We are going to be raised up to be seated in heavenly places. And because I believe in the grace of my God by faith, I receive it and am liberated today. And it is my commission to go out and tell others the good news that they might be liberated too. God, we are crying out for a new wave of evangelism, a wave of truth that will sweep through this nation, that will bring people back to the biblical foundations that they might understand who you are, why you came and what you saved us from, that you are redemption. Your name, Jesus, Yahshua, it means he saves. He will save his people from their Sin. What is sin and why are we in it? My friend, we've got to understand the end from the beginning. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.